You're listening to Audio Theater in a Darker Shade. This is DarkerProjects.com. And now our feature presentation. Hi, this is MJ Cogburn. I'm the executive producer of Darker Projects. With the excitement of our shows coming back after a very long break, the cast and crew are saddened to inform you that a friend and family member has left us way too soon. Seth Adam Shear played various roles for Darker Projects. To name a few, he played Darian Tain in The Falcon Banner and in Quantum Retribution as Dr. Peter Hugan. His passion was audio drama, not just for Darker Projects, but for Pendant Productions and Colonial Radio Theater. The cast and crew at Darker Projects dedicate this episode to Seth, and we all hope that he is listening to our work and smiling. Thank you, Seth, for spreading your joy of audio to all of us. The following audio is explicit in nature and may contain adult themes, light sexual situations, violent content, or strong language. To a precious few it was a paradise, a haven from the hectic pace of the real world. To others it was a nightmare. Nothing on this quaint island is as it seems. Beneath the tranquil lull of the ocean and the beautiful gardens, Dr. Nathaniel Lothman carved out a project based on Dr. Sam Beckett's theories on time travel. Hungry for the power to reform history to his own liking, Dr. Lothman integrated himself into the project and became Lothos. As his staff worked to his ultimate goal, their lives are held in the balance. Still vigilant to be who they are in a complex where danger lurks around every corner, their secrets lie buried and passions rest dormant. But for how long? Last time on Quantum Retribution. You wanted to see me, ma'am. No more ma'ams. I'm not that old. Actually, I think you're older than me. So just stop. Call me Siren, at least when we're off duty. Okay. Am, am I to understand that you're having a party tomorrow evening? It's our once-a-month combination. We can only do this kind of bash once a month. And thank God it's Friday party. Last one was a real blowout. You're more than welcome to come. Thank you. What time is the party and where? When? Tomorrow evening, as soon as the office door locks. The where is my place, 7.30. Trevor knows the address. Two doors down from his place. (laughs) Well, if you don't mind your boss being there, I just might come. Early night, too? Yes, sir. Then I suggest you put those things back in the closet and get in the bedroom with Siren. Undress. 
and get into the bed now, Mr. Conroy. I don't have anything to sleep in. You didn't wear anything last night either, so why should it bother you to sleep that way again? You can either undress and get into that bed, or you can spend the next eight hours in a correction cell with Mara. Again. Your choice, Mr. Conroy. It seemed to Joanna that she barely felt the energy begin to flow through her, when, just as immediately it seemed, reality began again. Taking a few seconds to allow her body to acclimate, she opened her eyes. She was sitting behind a large, polished desk in a spacious office. A glance to the left revealed an impressive view of other high-rise buildings beyond the wall of floor-to-ceiling windows. Discovery of a woman's purse in one of the desk drawers gave Joanna access to important information about her host, a woman. Hmm. Talmadge Industrial Security's security pass card for Jennifer Thebes, 29 years old, brunette, green eyes, 5 foot 11, 136 pounds. Jennifer, Mr. Willis wants you to stay late and finish out that proposal. He's leaving for London on the midnight flight out of Dulles. He wants to take it with him to review. <clears throat> Jennifer? Miss Thebes, are you all right? Vaughn, once back on the acceleration chamber's level, entered accelerator chamber number three, following the technician's instructions when the chamber was ready. Moments later, the first tendrils of electricity and waves of power washed over and through his body, and he relaxed into the power flow. In what seemed both a nanosecond and an eternity, he felt the nothingness fade as reality reclaimed him. I'm ready for anything. Bring it on. Then he opened his eyes. Don't move. Upon returning from lunch, the first item on Dr. Hugen's list to do was to check on Tala and Zoe. Arriving at the recovery room, the fiercely annoyed expression on Zoe Malverson's face and the sight of Edward Grant approaching from the small office across from the recovery room ticked a note of caution in his mind. What's going on here? What did I miss? One hell of a family reunion. <laughs> it was priceless. Edward divided a look between Zoe and Dr. Hugen before heading toward the bed where Tala lay, choosing deliberately to ignore Peter Hugen's earlier warning about staying away from the young woman. Tala, I'm so glad that you decided to grace our presence once again. Uh, Don't worry, Tala, it's all right. Uh, this bruise looks worse than it is. It should be healed within a week. Get your hands off my daughter! Right now, she's my patient, Zoe. What are you doing, Hugen? Taking your pulse. And it's racing. You need to calm yourself, Zoe. If you don't, I'll prescribe a sedative. No, not until I've spoken with my daughter. Dr. Hugen, please come to Nurses Station 1. Dr. Hugen, Nurses Station 1. All right, Zoe. You've got until I get back to talk to her. But if your pulse is still fast, I will sedate you. Fine. Tala, 
You want to know why I gave you up? Then turn over and look at me. No. If you have something to say, just say it. Very well. Even before you were born, I knew I would have been a terrible mother for my child. I have a horrible temper and little tolerance for anything or anyone who can be construed as annoying. I would have more likely killed you before you turned a month old. But that doesn't mean that I wanted to give you up. Giving you up was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. And after I did, I was not allowed the option of changing my mind. I see. If that's all, then I'd like to be left alone, please. Where's where's that damned coal button? You again? She's having an attack. I can see that. Breathe deeply, Tala. Miss Robinson, set up an oxygen for Miss Lothelman. Four liters per minute. Yes, Doctor. Peter took the asthma medication inhaler from the drawer of the bedside stand and put the mouthpiece into Tala's mouth and depressed it. You're getting adequate oxygen, Tala. Just relax and let the medicine work. May I go to my... Quarters, please. I... I'll take my inhaler with me. No, you're staying here for a while. I want to be sure that you don't have another attack so soon after this one. Can't I be moved to another room? No. If you're going to stay one more night, I might consider it. But... But, Dr. Hugan... Do you really want to expend energy on an argument that you know you're not going to win? Dr. Hugan, may I have a wheelchair and some ointment? I can get you one right now, Zoe, but I don't want you overexerting yourself in any way. I'll have a nurse aid you in and out of the chair. And before you try to argue about it, unless you cooperate... You will stay in that bed until the specialized wheelchair is ready, which will be sometime next week. (sighs) Very well, Hugin. I'm assigning Josie Tanner to assist you for the week until the special wheelchair is ready. (sighs) That's it, Tala. Just relax and let the medicine work. I'll be back in a moment. Are you ready, Dr. Malvison? Yes. 
What's going on? What are, what are you doing? Roll over on your stomach, dear, so I can reach across your back. <sighs> Nurse, can you get this thing just a bit closer to the bed? Uh, that's good. Yes. Now, turn the sheet back. All right, that's good. Now, please, move out of my way. Feeling the cool air touch her whipped body as the sheet was turned down to her waist, Tala nestled her cheek against the pillow and closed her eyes, sighing at the feel of the soothing ointment as it was gently smoothed over the stinging welts. Miss Tanner, let's step outside. Yes, Dr. Hugan. As I told you and the supervisor for the day shift today, I've assigned you to assist Dr. Mallison when she's in the wheelchair. Yes, Dr. Hugan. And that does not mean that you are to let her dictate to you or make demands on any whim that comes to her. What if... What if what, Miss Tanner? Speak up. What if she screams at me or threatens me? Miss Tanner, how long have you been a nurse on this complex? Almost five years, sir. And in that time, you've had to deal with demanding patients from time to time, haven't you? Yes, sir, but... But what, Miss Tanner? How is this time different? None of them was Dr. Melvison, sir. At the moment, right now, Miss Tanner, the only person whose temper and authority you have to worry about is mine. Dr. Malvison may hold a great deal of authority in this complex, but at the moment, she is a patient and you are a nurse. You will deal with Dr. Malvison like you would any other patient. If you need help with her, then get your supervisor and, if necessary, she will summon me. Is that clear, Miss Tanner? Oh, yes, Dr. Hugan. Clear, very clear, sir. Thanks. Now you will go back into that room and wait, without interfering, while Dr. Malvison is putting the ointment on Miss Lothaman. When she's finished, get someone to help you get her back into her own bed, and continue with the instructions as written in her chart. Any questions, Miss Tanner? No, no, no questions, sir. Very well. Having decided that he wanted to try to become better acquainted with the lovely redhead he'd assisted back to the infirmary, and after a quick shower and change of clothes, Max had returned to the gardens. There he'd carefully selected four perfect roses, two a vibrant crimson, the others creamy white, and placed them in a simple glass vase. Returning inside the complex, he headed for the infirmary. Excuse me, Mum. May I help you? I was here a little while ago visiting Dr. Malverson. She was in recovery? Let's see, um, I think she's been moved into a room. Um, yeah, yeah, here it is, room 1241. Yeah, she's sharing a room with Miss Lothaman. Oh, you'll have to hurry, though. Late afternoon visiting hours are almost over. You have about ten more minutes. Thank you. Twelve thirty-nine, twelve forty. 
Ah, here it is, 12.41. Pausing outside the door, Max very slowly opened it and peered inside. For a moment, he forgot himself, watching his friend smoothing ointment on the attractive young redhead's welt-striped back. See? Now, doesn't that feel better? It will get better now, Tala. You'll see. Just... Just give it some time. I know it's a lot to ask, Tala, but... Give... Give us some time. Hmm, this isn't a good time. I'll come back later. Taking great care not to draw attention to himself, Max stepped back, easing the door closed without a sound. As he turned to leave, he saw a nurse coming out of another room along the hallway. Excuse me, Mum. Oh, hello. You were here earlier today, weren't you? That's right. I came to see Dr. Malveson. I remember. Well, if you want to see her right now, she's in room 1241. You'll have to hurry. I know, but I just looked in and she's busy, so I'll come back later. Are those lovely roses for Dr. Malveson? I'd be happy to take them in for you for her. These are for Miss Lotherman. Just tell her these are from Max Robinson, the guy who brought her back to the infirmary. I will, Mr. Robinson. I'm sure she'll appreciate them. I hope so. Thank you. <sighs> mm. Why can't I get roses from someone like him? Miss Thebes? Ma'am? Which proposal are you talking about? Do you know how many reports come across that desk? I may already have it finished. Elliot knew from observation of others, as well as a couple of his own unexpected run-ins with Jennifer Thebes, that as long as she wasn't snapping, a person usually escaped her office with his or her head and other body parts intact. The Carson Whitman industrial germs proposal? Oh, that one. Let me see. Mm, This bitch better have gotten that done. I have more important work. Oh, here it is. Carson Whitman industrial gems. Joanna picked up the Carson Whitman report and flipped through it, then closed it again. Turning once more, she strolled over to the man standing about halfway to her desk. Without hesitation, she proceeded to walk her manicured nails slowly up his chest. At his neck, Joanna reached up to lightly trace her nails along his jawline. From the instant Jennifer Thebes touched the first fingernail to the front of his shirt, Elliot knew that she was up to her favourite game, cat and mouse, and there was no doubt about who was the mouse. Tell me something. Tell me why you think this proposal is on everyone's mind. I want to know what you think. And don't give me some lame, but you never wanted it before. I do now. All I wanted was to get a quick answer from her and then go home. If I'm late, Gina's going to go through the ceiling. You know as well as I do, Miss Steebs, that Mr. Willis has been negotiating with the Carson Whitman people in London for some time about taking over their international accounts. 
As you must be, are aware, ma'am, when Mr. Willis began discussions with Carson Whitman seven months ago, their Australian and Indian diamond interests were dropping off, as were their sapphire interests in Africa. However, in the last several weeks, the climate of industrial gemstones has started to improve. We've been tracking and analyzing their situation. The analysis, which Mr. Willis is going to read before presenting it to them while he's in London, shows that the Australian and Indian interest, especially the Australian opals, have been regaining ground and should show a strong, steady resurgence by the next quarterly reports, which come out at the end of the next week. When that happens, Carson Whitman's profit margin will not only go up several percentage points, it will also mean a small but significant increase in gains to the shareholders. And when that happens, it's a near-sure bet that Carson Whitman will come over to Talmadge. It was a gross understatement to say that it unnerved Elliot when the dark-haired woman didn't say anything, didn't even blink as she stood there listening to him. Silence stretched out and he began to think he'd escaped with the first run through the gauntlet. Wrong. Watching her return to her desk told him that she had just been on the warm-up run. Yes, ma'am? Come here. Yes, ma'am. Yes, Miss Thebes? I want you to take this Carson Whitman Industrial Gems proposal to Mr. Willis immediately, before he leaves for his flight to London. Why did you look at him? I, I'm I'm sorry. I just thought that Elliot, I, I mean, Mr. Snowberry was uh, supposed to... I didn't ask what you thought. No, Miss Thebes. Now, if you still expect to be working here in the morning, do as you were told and get that proposal to Mr. Willis immediately. If you don't get it to him in time, don't bother coming back tomorrow. Yes, Miss Thebes, I understand. I'll take care of it immediately. Good night, Miss Thebes. Good night, Mr. Snowberry. I know what I'm about to say is going to sound, oh, I don't know, odd and out there, but let's pretend that I am someone who knows nothing about this company, Mr. Snowberry. I want you to explain the goals of this company, why I would want to begin a job here, why I would want this company to represent and handle my accounts, fill me in on the administration, etc., you know, the whole shooting match. Jennifer Thebes' office was the last place Elliot Snowbury had expected, or for that matter wanted, to be on a Friday evening, especially this particular Friday, since it was also his seventh wedding anniversary. But also, there was no such thing as brushing Jennifer Thebes off and walking out. She had far too much pull with Jackson Willis, the CEO, to entertain that idea. <coughs> Talmadge Industrial Securities has been in business since 1933. We've offered our services to hundreds of clients across the country and, more recent years, to a number of countries in the international community. The founder, Hawthorne Talmadge, started the business during the Great Depression and came out the top dog in his field in spite of it. Even during the Second World War and the Korean War, Talmadge Securities, as it was known then, managed to achieve record profits. And that's about all there is to know. At least, it's all that I know about the company, ma'am. Amongst all the blathering that Elliot had just done, he had mentioned just the thing that Joanna wanted to hear. Standing up from the couch, she took a couple of steps, then stopped. Reaching up, she quickly realized the hair clip holding her hair up and did a quick flip of her head. 
For a moment, she didn't realize that the aura of her host had performed the same action, nor its effect upon the man still waiting for her permission to leave. It was only when she caught sight of her host's reflection in an ornate mirror on the opposite wall that she realized how an unexpected act for her personal comfort was going to aid her in this challenge. That was an absolutely amazing presentation, Mr. Snowberry. Thank you, Miss Steebs. You really are very good, Elliot. Thank you, Miss Thebes. I hope you don't mind if I... Oh, boy. This is not good. God, if Gina sees that lipstick, I'll be bunking in the backyard with the dog. <clears throat> if there's nothing else, Miss Thebes, may I leave now? My wife is expecting me home. It's our anniversary, and... We're going out to dinner. I said don't move, Mr. Pridget. Keep your hands where I can see them. If you drop them or try anything, I will shoot you. Do you understand, Mr. Pridget? Uh, uh, yes, ma'am. Good. Now, care to tell me why you decided to go into the lab tonight and try to smuggle something out? Don't bother to deny it, Lester. I saw you slip something into your coat pocket as I came in. Okay, that's two. Who, some guy named Lester Pridget, and the where... I'm in a lab. Since when is it against the rules for a member of the doctor's own research team to work late in the lab? I mean, what have I done to get that hey-you-up-against-the-wall routine? Without batting an eye, the woman shoved the barrel of the gun up close under the left eye of the man she saw as Lester Pridget. Do you think I'm joking, Mr. Pridget? Let me assure you that I'm not... Understand, and understand fast that I have a job to do. I take my duties very seriously. And I will do whatever I have to do to keep this or any other area of Belthamib Laboratories secure and safe. According to that schedule over there, you aren't supposed to be here for another two hours. So, Mr. Pridget... Put your right hand in your lab coat pocket and hand me the vial that I saw you put in there. Be warned, any false move at all will land you in the next open grave in the city cemetery on Maple Street. Is that clear? Now wasn't the time for Vaughan to speculate or get cute, especially the latter. So, moving slowly, Vaughan obeyed the instructions. Sliding his right hand into the right pocket of his lab coat, his fingers encountered the slim shape of a small vial. Withdrawing his hand, he brought out the vial and carefully lifted it so he could look at the jotting on the narrow label strip, rolling the vial slowly between his fingers as he read. He gasped, startled, when the muzzle of the magnum was moved now pressing firmly against the area between his eyebrows. You deciding to have tea or coffee when this is over, Mr. Pridget? 
Or are you playing one of the more witless versions of how stupid can I be? It's just a concentrate of sassafras. It's an herbal tea common to the southern United States, uh, ma'am. I didn't think that a test tube of sassafras extract was a matter of national security. Oh, don't tell me that I'm under suspicion for using a test tube to keep a little sassafras extract in the lab fridge over there. Mama always said keep some sassafras tea handy. It's good for the nerves, and uh, Lordy knows if there's ever a place or time for nerves, <laughs> this is it. I don't know what's in that vial you're holding, Lester. For all I know, you're just a greedy bastard trying to steal some secret formula to sell it to one of this company's competitors. Maybe it is what you say it is, but I'm not going to be the one to taste it. But you will. Uh, me? Why shouldn't you take a swallow of it? After all, if it's really sassafras extract as you say it is, what's the harm? Mm-hmm. Go on. <sighs> take a good swallow. Very well, since you insist. Nice and slow. Yes, ma'am. Here's mud in your eye. Taking a bit of a chance, Vaughn subtly saluted the suspicious guard with the vial, then moving carefully, put it to his lips and downed the liquid in a single swallow. He couldn't hide the little shudder that came over him as the test tube slipped from his fingers. Oh, God! You've been listening to episode 113, Opportunity Knocks Twice. Featured in the episode were David Alt as the announcer, Seth Adam Schur as Dr. Hugan, Austin Beach as Edward Grant, Kim Giannopoulos as Zoe Malbison and the secretary, MJ Cogburn as Tala Lothaman, Elise Krawick as Olivia Robinson, Chris Snyder as Max Robinson and the vocal on the PA, Jean Hildy Fulgham as Joanna Royden, Rich Matheson as Vaughn Ricker, Drew Prophet as Elliot Snowberry, Tanya Milovic as Josie Tanner and Veronica Monroe, Sarah Golding as Monica Henderson, and yours truly as the announcer. Quantum Retribution was written and produced by M.J. Cogburn and C.E. Crowick. Post-production by M.J. Cogburn. Theme music is available for download at sounddogs.com. Other music by Kia Hartwig and Kevin McLeod. This has been a Darker Projects production. This is Shane Harris. Thank you for listening.